0: Welcome to the Read Optional Podcast, taping this on a Thursday afternoon. I am joined on the line by my friend, former colleague, Matty F. Brown, Noah of all things Seattle Seahawks. Matty, how are you? I'm
1: very good, thank you. Very excited to link up with my former colleague again and uh, obviously
0: talk uh, hopefully some smart things about football i mean i'm sure you can do a bit of that as well So, seattle to me honestly i think it's one of the most fascinating organizations in the league and i understand there's all kinds of stuff going on in the league right now that i should probably do shows about there's aaron Rodgers. there's there's madness there's jordan love There's the chiefs run defense i get all that i do get all that um and people can go find that wherever they want i want to talk about the seahawks for a whole bunch of reasons because what's happening with them and we can get into what's happened with Russell Wilson. Some actual specific to what they're doing to try and win games. But the thing that really interests me about them, which is why I wanted to get you on, and it's funny, one of the first ever guests in my lifetime now, almost 10 years hosting podcasts about nerdy NFL things, where I sent you the topic list and you were like, great topics. Let's do this. <laughs> Let's go. Um, the thing that is so interesting with them is how Pete Carroll, who I just adore as, as a program builder, Both in college and in the NFL. Even with his his regular troops, these are all his guys. I know he went and got Walder in different trees, trying to be, you know, he's trying to acquiesce to Russell a little bit, but it's like, these are all my boys. We rolled together. I I know you guys want me to fire people. This is not my style. They really have tried to evolve with the state of the league. They've been sick of getting whacked over the head by wide zone and bootlegs and all that. And they say, every year they roll up, they rub their hands together, they say, training camp, okay, let's go. Two deep split safety, let's move a ton on defense. We're not static anymore. Forget the Legion of Boom. It's rotation city. We're going to play with a bare front. We're going to do all the things that, you know, if Dave Aranda came to the NFL, we'd all write these cool pieces about the Dave Aranda defense. And everyone loves Dave Aranda and Vass and Cody Alexander and all these people gone podcast. Someone hired Dave Aranda in the NFL. Well, Pete Carroll, every year, it turns up, he's like, let's try and run Dave around his defense, and then we can dig piece by piece um, into some of the defensive stuff here. But it goes wrong, then it goes okay, then he says, bleep that, let's go back to what we used to do. It's just such a fascinating organization. They really want to move with the evolution of the sport. That's what I love about them, is they've really made a concerted effort to say, this is where the league's going Let's go do that. Let's go be that. But then they always kind of default back to like, ah, but we're not so good at it. So maybe let's just go and do what we've run for 25 years. Thank you. That's what an opening because I'm
1: like, you've actually watched what's happening because a lot of people like, oh, well, Seattle runs a lot of cover three. And on your point about Pete Carroll, I think this is a fan base overall, which is while you, you like Pete Carroll for the reasons you like him and Seattle is exciting to you still, I think the fan base is absolutely, like, the, tired of it, the the majority of the fan base. But what you've said, you've, you've actually watched. Everyone says, oh, Seattle just runs cover three, and and they don't do that anymore, um, especially this year. Um, And, uh, uh, you know, it was a bit of a problem when me back in England albeit being quite degenerate could like tell you what exactly the play call was called on each play uh, for the seahawks um and it wasn't causing me much of a headache um if i can do that and there are materials out there which you know may or n- may not exist um which can help you identify that um then you bet your bottom dollar the um other defensive, uh, sorry, offensive minds around the league are able to do that as well. So they, they have evolved. And I think you said how they do revert to type and, you know, it's really funny because they'll, they'll be like one week, they'll be trying to be a bit more aggressive with how they're playing the coverage, you know, match quarters which is something I was saying, oh, I think they're going to be doing that in 2018. They n- they never did. But I was like, why are you drafting Marquise Blair when he's not your, like, free... He's like a tweener. He's not a free mm. safety. He's not a strong safety. He ended up at nickel, but he he, would- he kind of had a skill set, which was more like... Uh, what I, I termed a weapon safety because that sounds really cool, right? What I did to me back in 2018. Now I look back on it and I'm like, oh my God. But it was more uh, uh, in, indicative of perhaps a move to more quarters concepts and and the way the league was going. Turns out they didn't actually do that. They just ended up going back to, you know, what they'd known. And now, you know, you kind of expect if it, if it doesn't work out, you know, then they'll suddenly just be like, We're just going to drop into cover two um, and, uh, you know, landmark uh, and rally to the check down. And it will be very, very um, simple. But why it might not be like that is Jamal Adams and Condé Dix, because there's the safety pairing they have there is exactly what you'd need. They have, it seems, enough pieces to do that. And it also seems to suit their cornerback talent. But I've rambled a lot, so I don't know where
0: you want no, to take we, this we, we will get into the jamal adams of it all because i do want fans so you you are essentially certainly in my mind the best seahawks x-nose guys out there i mean you this is the funny thing by the way about the Pete Carroll. p Pete Carroll one of the few guys in the nfl still where his college playbook leaked and i don't think he changed his vernacular in the entire time since the usually playbooks leak because either a practice squad player sells it to someone like yours truly or and then you you keep it to trade it for something else, like a squirrel mm-hmm. gathering your acorns. And if you, if someone needs mm-hmm. one, you're like, well, what have you got over there? Um, and you don't let anyone else see it, so you feel like you're on the end. Or it's the the guy has left the job, he's moved, or he's so changed his system that those coaches start feeling cool uh, leaking out. Pete Carroll, probably the only guy whose USC playbook goes online and it's written in pencil and pen. And it's still the exact same verbiage <laughs> as when he's trying to win Super Bowls in Seattle, which I love. Um, they have tried to change now. Uh, we'll let's go through um some of the stuff. We'll start, we'll start. Um, I think it's a new front first, right? Let's go front to back because I'm interested mm. in the front. I remember when I was watching them early in the year, so I remember I charted a Minnesota game. yeah, from memory. God, it had to be. It was fifty plus snaps in what I'd call a bear front, not not the mm-hmm. old school bear, just a very loose definition of covering the three interior guys. And I think it was plus 50 snaps in the bare front out of 60 snaps total against the Vikings, yes. which is just an insane amount. And I know everyone wants to go four-eye heavy inside, heavy fives, all this, this cool stuff in college. But in the NFL, you really don't see that. So I looked up before we did this to find out. I'm like, am I as deceived me? Was that a one-game plan thing? They, I know they've kind of ditched that, and we can mm-hmm. get into that post-Pittsburgh. Um, but I looked it up. Their bare front percentage this season, again, loose bare front thing not mm. the old school uh oklahoma bare front mm. just covering the three interior guys 32 percent they're playing the bare front this season by far the highest in the league the next closest is green bay at 25 only two other teams even crack the 20 thing so they have really decided and that's by the way as we mentioned with that, that rate plummeting over the past uh the past week it plummeted against jacksonville they played a bunch more against uh, the saints so this bare front thing Let's just for the audience quickly, the hows, well, the, the why of why a team would run the bare front and why Seattle mm. specifically, Carol decided we're going with a five-man front and we're basically putting the five guys in the fit or in the rush and then we'll figure the rest out on the back end. We're not doing four down linemen. They have moved more to split fronts and all that, that stuff. They used to run mm. the loaded fronts and all that stuff. Why did they say that our base framework is a five-man front now?
1: Well, I can give you a history lesson because um, this was a big deal for me uh, last season because I was like, oh my God, what is this? Like, This is real new. Um, and back then it was a Sam linebacker, KJ Wright, who is not the typical Sam linebacker. If you think about Sam li- li- linebacker in Seattle, it's always been like more of a rush backer. Uh, USC, Clay Matthews started as a Sam moved to the Leo defensive end position, which gives you an idea that. You know the lines blur. Bruce Irvin in Seattle was a Sam linebacker, not a defensive end, not. um, But you know he he was able to rush from that. And then when they go to nickel, the Sam is just defensive end. Uh, You know the Sam leaves the field for the. Fifth defensive back to come on. Uh, so the history lesson, uh, because it was such a big deal last year, and uh, Sports Info Solutions' uh, a, a friend there gave me some some figures on this. Seattle aligned with two four eyes off three techniques and one head up nose tackle, plus uh, four had the d- four defensive linemen or fewer, which you know eliminates goal line packages. Yeah, yeah. If they're going head up nose, then it it, it was very likely to be bare. Uh, in 2018, they did eight percent of the time. So that was when Norton first came in. He had uh, 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 Barcavius Mingo. So he was trying to get that rush presence on the field. But he only did it 8% of the time. 2019, 4% of the time. And then 2020, 32% of the time. Which when you factor in that, you know, KJ Wright's doing it. who's not a rush backer, but he's still playing down as that fifth guy down the line of scrimmage. When you factor in, you know, passing downs, um, situations, like for instance, if the team goes 13 personnel, Seattle has certain things they'll do which are not, you know, bear can get outnumbered fairly easily uh, against heavier personnel. That's a lot. That's a real lot. So, I, So the history lesson that I promised... Uh, I was working on a long form article, which was going to drop. And just as I was about to drop it, uh, they sort of started moving away from it. So I've sort of held off on that, but a a, a little insight into that. The reason they started doing all of this back at USC was Vince Young. Um, Vince Young was this, this, well, you know, Vince Young, Um, but uh, the Rose bowl, uh, what happened where he just ran all over them. And if you go back to the end of that in classic Pete Carroll fashion, um, the, the, Famous Vince Young play where he, he rushes over the, for the touchdown. Um, the play before Seattle called uh, like a four three like fire zone where the backside end dropped off, and then the next play they did the exact same thing and Texas. They didn't change their play call, just the players on the field. I think it was Young, the uh the, the other young Saven Young, uh the, the running back. Um, he just improvised, he realized that the end was going to drop again, and he just went and blocked him and Young just scrambled him for the touchdown, would you know, players make plays. Um and but Seattle, the whole point was with the fire zones, they were trying to remove the bubbles of the defense to let the linebackers free to scrape. And so throughout the years of that pack 12, oh pack. 10 back ten, then. 10, back yeah. ten
0: with 8? Um, I think I can't remember now. It was wild back <laughs> it then. It doesn't yeah.
1: make sense. Yeah. But uh, it may have had a different name. But there was a lot of um, the spread option attacks were really in vogue. And if you go and look at uh, there may or may not be you know, on Jetty Images um, certain play sheets It it's always uh, stick, 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 which is what Pete Carroll calls his base bare fronts. Um, for 11 personnel, 10 personnel. Mm. Um, so he, I mean, you know, that's in two thousand seven, two thousand eight. So he he may not just be a oh he he just runs four three under, which was never true anyway. Um, but um, so he, so he was doing all of this to stop like the mobile um, option attacks and the spread option that was becoming popular. For instance, Oregon was doing a lot of that from split backs, and it's quite easy to move the front and remove these bubbles and and crucially keep the linebackers free to flow. Um, because like you said, B gap gone, uh, center can the nose tackle over the centers, Either like way. he's not yeah. too gapping, but he, he sort of smacking him back and then lagging to the, the backside a gap. And then the, um, you know, the other B gaps gone as well. Plus you have these two wide players down at the line of scrimmage who they can set an edge or you can move them to spill to them. Like, you know, make their, their, their width is a real strength. Yeah. Um, so then what was fascinating about 2020 was the defense was terrible, right? It was an absolute joke. Um, and uh, in the first half of the season, and they were just trying to do too much, they hadn't found a base. And then they kind of fell into this base. Um, and obviously, you may be thinking, well, there wasn't loads of spread option attacks then. It w- <laughs> Hang on a second. This is the NFL, um, um, the zone read, uh, you know, th- that was a thing. But now it's kind of like a very minor detail. Um, although Seattle did use this front against the Kaepernicks and the Griffins of the world um, for the reasons I just said. But they had real difficulty stopping um play action bootlegs. Um the wide zone offenses of Shanahan, McVeigh, McVeigh always has had Pete Carroll's number. Um, Shanahan's always been able to scheme up some pretty decent beaters. And so in 2018 and uh, 2019, Seattle would remove a B gap bubble um to to keep the linebackers behind clean. Um By putting like a their four technique, so like a big end, into the the B gap, so that would enable the player responsible in the coverage for turning and running back with like the intermediate crossing route. That would enable him to sort of slow play it because yeah, he had a run fit. But if you think about how this looks, there's a tight end to that guy's left. There's a a one technique nose tackle in the the A gap. There's then a four eye who's like softly closing the. uh, the B gap next to that as well. So there's, there's no gap because there'd be in an overthrust and And th- so essentially he had no gap, even though there was a fear that there was no real gap for him. So he could soft play it. And then if that he could really key, whether it was play action or not, and the Rams at the best are always, it's very hard to tell. Um, and the splits make it happen so fast. Um, and he'd be able to turn and run and look back for it so these reduced overfronts they tried in 2018 and 2019 were somewhat successful you think it was similar to what fan yeah similar to how Fangio was doing all those like uh, six two looks you know with the staggered hooks Seattle so was doing all that after yeah sure they'd learned from him but you know it's copycat league that that's um you know that that's what goes on um so they were doing all that but the the problem was um weak side runs um so the the four eye the big end in the, in like the inside shoulder of the tackle on the weak side would then have a Sam linebacker down. But then there was no one as the as like the hammer in the fit and the force defender. But then if you say you're a Shanahan and you, you're in two back, you could just wrap the the four eye can it's an easy down block angle for the tackle. And then if you're in two back, the, the fullback can come out the backfield and kick out the Sam. And then there's this linebacker who doesn't have a run fit, but he's inside leverage like stacked on like almost the center, like the nose. Um, And he's
0: looking for the weak hook. He's not an outside he's defender. He's trying to figure it out. He's not fast fitting. Some guy comes around the corner. They do it at the snap. They motion at the snap. So you're like, what is happening? Where am I supposed to be? Bang. Huge hole. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, yeah.
1: so bear came in to do, to help this because rather than being a six, two, it's essentially looks like a, a five, one or a five, three, mm-hmm. So in, in like very broad terms, so you can visualize the concept, it gives you an adjuster on either side of the formation uh, who is wide and naturally wide um, and, and sort of off the ball, along with what I said about how, if you needed it to be, you have two wide force players who literally aren't conflicted. They can just play force. And what Seattle even did, you mentioned the motion. Um, if they mo- they motioned, um, you know, Jet motion towards the the Sam linebacker who would ordinarily have an outside underneath responsibility. But if it was Jet, they'd exchange that Sam linebacker and drop him into the, the hook, which isn't important because that if you know if teams are what would happen um, to the reduced over fronts is p- teams would Jet into. Uh, post wheel and so the jet would run a wheel the the Sam down at the line of scrimmage uh, in that those reduced over fronts i was talking about the 6-2 looks mm-hmm. he'd be like shit i need to excuse my language he'd be like damn i need to uh, uh force the run to so come up and then it would get thrown the corner be run off by the post and then it would get thrown in behind in that big sideline space the wheel so seattle recognizing that was a beta the bear stuff allowed them with the extra guy wide as i said he would then exchange with the, the Sam linebacker. The Sam linebacker would drop to the interior underneath zone, and the the uh, the like strong safety, for instance, which is again a better matchup versus Jet. He would drop to the outside and match the the wheel because his his run fit or is essentially if there's a number two, then I'll, I'll match up with the two. Yeah. So so it really worked, and and yes, there's a the caveat that, um, you know. They were facing Jared Goff, like hurt his thumb in the the third quarter. But DVOA shows that they were, you know, adjusting for opponent. I think it shows they did improve massively, and they were still talented as defense. I think they were in the top ten by the end of it. Um, and you know, the it, it fit what KJ Wright was able to do. They were smart in that, and this is another thing I should have said. They align this off boundary and field principles. So in 2020, you'd if it was cover three um and this became a problem because i was able to notice it so everyone else was obviously um uh, if it was cover three they'd align the leo to the field and which is one of the wide guys in bear uh, the wide down lineman and then they'd align the sam to the boundary again giving the sam less space um just and they'd run cover three sky and again that would um it would fit It was just the spacing was like, there's no conflict for anyone. It was just removing the conflict of what these offenses are trying to impose with their under center wide zone. Um, And then if it was cover two, which is a really good change up for a lot of these bootlegs, they'd have the Leo to the boundary and the Sam uh, in the field curl, which again, the Sam, the field curl, it wasn't as important in in terms of how the spacing, he didn't have to run as far. The spacing was just nicer for everyone, less conflict so that that really worked um and they still did beat you know they beat the cardinals and um b- before kyler murray uh got like really hurt well i don't he, he he never says how much he was always a bit uh shy about saying how much that really uh affected him but um it worked against them and th- and even before that i could pr- i i like not to you know big myself up but um <laughs> Before the Cardinals game, I predicted, and this was at a time where everyone was like, "the defense is terrible." I could see them working into this base, and I was like, "this is this is perfect." And I was like, "they're going to improve against the Cardinals." I said something about like, you know, they'll hold them to twenty-one points or something, which doesn't sound great, but it's, it, at the time, the Cardinals were the thing, like they are now, and uh, Seattle was a joke, and everyone was like, "we're going to give up forty points," and then they did hold them to around that figure, and uh, everyone was like, "whoa!" and more than that you could see visible improvement visible sciences and finding this bare base of 2020. Um, So I spoke a lot but just to finish on that my my long form didn't drop um, because I thought they'd be doing this in 2021 I ran out of time Um, and then uh, they uh,
0: they've sort of evolved again almost. What's the evolution now then? So did they, have they changed the presentation of the bear? Because when I watched them, they're still running tons. I mean, it, that kind of the 6-2 versus the 5-1 is a bit amorphous because they're walking a lot at the snap as well. And what they do with Jamal Adams, they mm. kind of cheat him as an edge defender. I think he's, he's played like 80 snaps as a linebacker this year, as a true outside linebacker. But mm. they'll do it so late. It's like, well, is that just a safety rotation or whether, is it a planned walk down where he's fitting as a linebacker? It's, it's tough to tell how you actually, you know, how you would address the box count at which point you are in the snap count. Why is the percentage still so high? And also, I, I just feel like, I mean, it all makes perfect sense. This is how I would coach football and I'd get beat and I'd get sacked because mm. I would also be running this exact defense essentially, which I know sounds a bit daft, but I would be really multiple on the back end and I would, I would run, you can't run a three down four eye uh, tight front in the NFL. You'll get killed. The <laughs> tackles mm. are too good. So you have to play with five. Then you got to decide are we five in the rush every down? Well, we're gonna get killed by good quarterbacks then. So now we've got to be four in the rush as best we can as often as we can. And now we're dropping someone I don't really want to drop in coverage unless I have KJ Wright, which they no longer have. So it's like it's 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 just tough. So what has the evolution been this year then? Why was Bear so high early in the season? Why have they moved away from it slightly? Yet that rate 32% is still is still pretty damn high for the NFL. Yeah, I mean, I I'm glad you've done your
1: research there because I should probably have done that. Um, I'd be interested to see how that's changed in the the recent weeks. Uh, I they're still in it. Uh, don't get me wrong. Um, I think they thought they could do it pretty much on every down. Um, beginning the season, I don't know why it's really and, strange. Um, it like, I mean, I guess Norton sort of fell into this base where he's like, oh my god, we're finally playing good defense. So he was maybe like you know, well, let's just, let's just fully embrace it. Um, and if you look at their edge rusher group, the like Daryl Taylor is uh, a a Sam slash Leo, and no one actually knew where he played. Like we didn't know um, it. So like Pete Cow always run and this is like very uh, repeated. So apologies, but he's always run a four, three with three, four principles or three, four personnel, sorry. Um, and, and the bare thing, in 2020, that was pretty obvious. You could still see that it was a Sam, so it's still like a 4-3. But the the personnel up front was very much 3-4. This year, uh, at the start, was the most 3-4 it ever looked because you had Taylor, who was like, well, he's kind of just... And okay, um, Carlos Dunlap's obviously a defensive, like wide defensive end. He's not an outside linebacker. But um, you had guys like Benson Mayowa, who started his career in Seattle as a Sam, Then he was a defensive end and then Kyle was talking about how he's working on as a strong side linebacker again. So all off season, I'm like, Oh my God, they're they're going absolutely mental with it. They're, they're just, they're fully going with it. And then uh, it didn't really work as well because well, one, I think you have to look at, I mean, I could work out what was going on again. um, So other teams could always a terrible (laughs) sign. (laughs) Yeah. Real bad, real bad. Um, And, uh, and then you know they, they they they're they cut Jaron Reed um which is is what it is but they don't have so they have our Woods, who's become red Brian he's like this out and Pete Howard described him as not athletic but if you look up like our woods is testing numbers oh my god it's absolute
0: like he is an apps I think well, he has not, like I, he, he said that out loud because I, I was gonna come on to our woods in a bit because he played eight snaps as the zero in week one then it went mm. like this. So this is him playing as the head up nose. Cause I want to get onto this thing about how they've moved players along the front, which we were just kind of moving into there. Yeah, let's it, do it. They really, I mean, they do have everyone play every spot. They have the hider, Taylor. Those are our sub rushers They have to find 50 snaps of green for green for reasons that they've decided yep. on. Woods. Puna four plays right, left tackle. They move from everywhere. He plays 20-odd snaps as an end. Mm -hmm. Al Woods, so he plays eight snaps in week one as the head up nose. Again, this is when they're playing the bare front constantly. Then he goes 38, 25, 23, 23. Then he goes down to two and one. Yeah. Plus, depending on down and distance, he'll kick to an end spot. So there's no way you're coming in.
1: Well, well, he... So let's talk about how the front is... So I was, I was sort of saying about how it's like a 3-4 almost. Mm-hmm. So Al Woods is now, and Pete Carroll said this himself, he's now Red Bryant. Uh, and I think his comment about athleticism was just because he's big, where which is meh, misguided, but Pete must like uh, quick
0: twitch, guys. But Al Woods has that like almost... he th- means, he means dip and rip pass rusher.
1: Yeah, I think so. Because Al Woods has like almost 35-inch arms. Like, <laughs> what the... F- like, and he is an absolute. He's unplayable. Um, in uh, in a good way. Uh, they play him quite a bit, as you've just said. Um, he's a a really good big end. So he used to be a nose tackle, and his first in, in Seattle, he was a great nose tackle. But now he's become that kind of uh four eye, uh, like four tech. Uh, Seattle calls this a five tech, but a, a lot of the time, and in bear, they'll line up as like on the inside shoulder of a tackle, and so the bear and this was especially visible this year on the big end side the big end would play one and a half gaps so they'd be responsible for the b gap but they want to lock out against the tackle and play it kind of like you know how the four eyes play at a tight front where if you can win to the c gap if the run bounces that way then you should probably do that um the linebacker behind is then kept clean by that action um, and and how that all works. Whereas the three technique, which is the pure defensive tackle, which this year has been Puna Ford, they're more of a pure one-gap player most of the time. They can get into a four-eye depending on formation, but they're more of a one-gap player where they just knock back the guard, uh, power step, rather than what the four-eye is doing and what I should have said. The four-eye is mirror-stepping with that tackle. So they're responsible for the B-gap, but they mirror-step with the offensive tackle the nose tackle in bear he's a one and a half gapper so he is sort of mirror stepping with the center and then knocking him back winning into the backside there you so if you just if what i said just made sense two of the players down at the line of scrimmage are two like almost two gapping and then the three tech is one gapping and also the defensive end if we're saying it's still four three which so he's a one gapper as well so it's if you remember all the conversation about under is how Pete Carroll's running hybrid fronts and yeah, yeah. half of it's one gap and half of it's two gap. Well, now it, it came back to that with, with how the front's constructed. Um, and so the the interior three, just to go back to the personnel, how it's constructed is Brian Monet, who I can't believe the transformation um, he's eating right. I think it's fair to say he, uh, he came out of Michigan. He was too big. He's just too heavy. And he just looked terrible. Like his technique was awful. Um, and now he's like one of, I mean, I don't watch enough of other teams cause I don't have time, but which is a sad reality, but he is absolutely astonishingly good as a nose tackle, like really, really good, um, as a shade or, or, or head up. Uh Puna Ford has become the three-tech with Reed Gone and Alwood has become the big end. So their problem has been what do you do when one of those guys has to go off the field? With that's three of the four defensive line spots, whether they're playing bear or whether they're not playing bear. However, if they want to play bear, the four-eye big ends type is um you know very important uh because of what i said how it, it keeps the linebacker clean it's sort of quasi two gapping and then on the backside of runs that really cannot get washed um now the the guys behind um woods in that position you could put puna forward there but then who are you putting three technique they don't have anyone who's big bodied enough really so they have uh, robert Condice, and they have lj collier now L.J. Collier got has got two lights, um, and he just gets washed, and it, it, it's bad. It's a bad look. I don't want to. He's just not I don't want to rag it. on him. I know you don't want n- to say
0: it out loud. I'll <laughs> no, say no I've body. said it out
1: loud before. Yeah, okay. I've said it out loud before. So he's uh, not yeah. a good he's, player, a, he's not very good. That was not a good pick. I um, I like Charles Amenahu. I don't know why they didn't draft him and why he fell to the fifth round, but that's the NFL, and that I can think of a few reasons. But let's not talk about that. And um, then they have. Yeah, so it's just those two. So Kandice, uh is like his technique's rough. Like uh, he he's very patchy. Like he gets washed sometimes. Um, but it's hard not to get washed, right? Because they're not. Uh, well, candice might be, but you're sort of looking for like the two hundred ninety pound, two hundred eighty five pound range. Collie is too light for that. Oh, and then sorry, they have Kerry Hyder, but he was always envisioned as like the. Oh, I hate saying it, but to help people visualize the Michael Bennett where in 2013, when Michael Bennett, Michael Bennett came in uh, in nickel as a, as a three technique, Russia uh, inside Russia. And that's what Hyder is. And he's the pass rush game cooler um, because of his understanding of the defense, his leadership, because it's his selfless task, but he's not that early down guy. Um, so they don't have like an extra, uh, body which means those, it is, it
0: those guys one of the issues i have with them up front he he's the sub guy right he plays 40 percent of the snaps whatever it ends up being in the mm. game one of the things is the predictability is they do kind of telegraph a lot of what they're going to do up front mm. um which mm. i think we should tie that into let's do the secondary now in a way um because the, t- the two obviously flow together What they've tried to build, I think... So everything is about taking away that wide zone you mentioned. Mm. Spread to run teams and wide zone teams. They just want to pummel a B-gap. Everything is in that direction. They're not not there. You cut it back to the C-gap, the the backside. So they said, okay, we'll just stick big bodies in there. Cool, great. We're all set. Mm -hmm. Then you've got to worry about the play action, which you mentioned the wheel and all that stuff. Now they've readdressed the front. The other thing that they've done, which everyone has done, is obviously back up into quarters. That's what everyone's doing to take away the deep over shot that you mentioned earlier. That's what everyone's looking for. That's how Jared Goff is still in the league because he hit so many of those deep overs. For Sean McVay, the Lions would convince themselves, ah, let's let's see what happens, man. Um, that will not happen uh, anymore. The other way to address that once you're in those two is just to move a ton, because as Cody Alexander, literally, as we were taping, just point this out, Cody Alexander of matchquarters.com. I think he just wrote a piece about it. I haven't had time to read it yet. The point is not just that you rotate and that is confusing, it's that you're rotating with a back turned. If these guys are going to turn their back to you and not run forward facing quick glance uh play action stuff or rpo and read it or whatever if they're mm-hmm. going to turn you back use it to your advantage make it look like one thing before the back's turn then when they re- readdress then it's like whoa it wasn't <laughs> what it looked like three seconds before before i turned my back it's like they're giving you an opportunity of turning their back to the play so seattle i've not checked the numbers recently I, I looked them in week five from uh next gen stats they were rotating On 92% of their defensive snaps. There was some kind of movement in the secondary, whether that was walking Adams down, they've got the nickel lad, whose name is really hard to pronounce, so forgive me, but he'll line up as slot corner, then kind of back away, then maybe he'll move back up. They basically, they just walk and move, and they do a whole ton of stuff. And against Jacksonville, they threw... Everything at Trevor Lawrence in the first like eight plays. They were like, Hey, mm. Trev, here's a three safety set with inverted Tampa 2. The two Y guys are dropping out. This guy's rolling yeah. to the, the, the high hole. It was like, Whoa, here we go. So they are really trying to say if we're going to be static up front, and I know it's one goes, one drops out. They do do that stuff. I get that. But if we're going to have the five, we have to really move on the back end to buy time. I think that's what the, the, the idea was. Plus the fact that that is how you would draw up against all this wide zone and boot action stuff. Hmm. So what are you seeing in terms of that rotations and how does it look? Because I know they're also trying to hide the fact that they don't like their corners, or at least they didn't early in the season. So
1: I don't even think it's about, I'm not saying you said this, but I don't even think it's about the five. I think it's the reasons you mentioned, like, Seattle's offense themselves have seen the issues of when a team spins when they do play action because it, you know, suddenly the, I mean, really play action, the primary route that you want is the route. Uh, and then, oh, it's a check down. So if you remove the primary route and then your, your change ups manage to get to the check down, well, then, oh, wait, well, that might be a sack or Russell Wilson might try and make something happen. Anyway, I think Seattle are doing this because uh well i mentioned at the start it also suits their safety grouping um and it helps protect their the cornerbacks they at the start of another history lesson um at the start of um the 2012 season they set out what they wanted to be um they they set out that they wanted to um be cover three predominantly and middle field closed coverage because they they at the start of the nfl And this is my understanding. I'd love to, if the game Pass would um, actually make available the archive that it used to have, um, perhaps I could look into a a method of acquiring that. But um, in the early days of Seattle, the coaching staff was trying to run all these different types of coverages. And looking at USC tape um, from 2006 and the Rose Bowl, they're still predominantly a cover three team. But uh, my understanding is that they actually did get into much more... um, Exotic, um, well not exotic, but more middle field open. It's not exotic; it's just a different yeah. <laughs> structure. Um, but um, and less cover three stuff. Um, so Seattle has been here before, um, but I think what they've been able to do this season is get the players understanding how it all fits together and 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 working. And I say about the safeties because Jamal Adams, if you think about his background; he's been with Dave Veranda. Um, he is that kind of flat footed player in a quarter he likes to pack his uh his quarter he likes to play aggressive and and sort of deny space whereas quandary Diggs is really good at stepping off and getting in his pedal and playing from a half or a third if, if they're back in cover three reading the quarterback understanding the roots and then being able to drive from depth and 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 remove stuff so it really fits what they're doing and and, and we've seen to jamal adams's side and Pete Carroll is very good at putting his players in what he feels is the best position for them to succeed, and he's good at doing it. So, what they've been able to do is with uh, with Adams is they've basically played the quarter side, the hard quarter side to his side, and to Digs they've played the half. And this is something that I I spoke to just recently. Coach Vass pointed me in the right direction because I was like, I've never seen Seattle run this. I'm very scared because you know i pride myself on uh, <laughs> what the hell is this and i was like this looks like a deep half to the three receiver side and then a quarter and a quarter back side with the court the cornerback to the trip side playing uh like an aggressive press technique where he presses his one wide receiver and then he if two and three are in the flat he'll zone off but if two and three aren't in the flat, he'll trail man underneath. Meanwhile, the nickel to the trip side is essentially playing what I've since learned is called a vertical hook, where he is inside leverage and high on the number two. Um, and I was like, what? And the the, the middle linebacker is uh, playing the three receiver up and back, like he is. And that's usually what in Seattle would be called like a strong hook if it was cover three, and that never happens. So I was like, this is some weird like. Um, middle field open, like kind of match, kind of landmark thing. What the hell is, is this? Um, then Jesse images. Very good. Um, uh, having uh, may or may not have seen a picture. I believe this is called Clio, um, which is an old peak hour term for like the, the cornerback uh, cover three cloud. Um, mm-hmm. But I think it's really just describing the, the, the defensive structure in the sense that um, the cornerback is rerouting that, that number one, and then, and then able to trail him from, from the outside. What Vass pointed me in the direction of is um, Ken Norton's experience with Jack Del Rio, uh, Jack Del Rio's experience with the Baltimore Ravens and Marvin Lewis and the, um, the pack and stuff uh coverage that they did which is essentially the same thing and ken norton in oakland was running this exact kind of deal which they called uh like nickel stuff um and now i believe they call Clio, but essentially it matches their safety group and it also adjusts for how they're getting beat um so just to circle back bobby wagner is um was becoming a bit of an issue. Uh, I hate to say that, but he was. Um, and uh, he looks slow. He he is slow. He he always gets that. Um, remember last time we spoke, we spoke about unusual remedies, but uh he always gets his blood uh, spun for his knee. He goes off for like a a week. Co- I say always. The Kobe
0: treatment to Germany. Flies to Dusseldorf, and he starts spinning blood.
1: I I don't know the exact details, but yes, some some unusual um uh rehab for his knee, which is clearly uh some kind of thing that he's always dealing with. Um, and th- he always has like a bad knee game or two. Well, this season he was having like a bad knee game of three or four. And so against, um, against runs, just real quickly thinking about bare fronts again, that requires the linebackers to adjust to motions really well. And, and like, they don't have a clear gap. So they kind of have to, at certain points. So they really have to be quite good at getting sideways. And Bobby like, just didn't have
0: that. It's like being a rat defender, essentially. It's like play football. It's like you sit there and you go find the ball, man. It's not that complicated. We've made it so you're free. So just yes. find the ball for us.
1: Yes, that's good analogy. And obviously Jordan Brooks had a lot of experience about Texas Tech, but Bobby just didn't have the lateral agility anymore. He's like very sort of linear downhill, um, that kind of thing. Um, and so in coverage as well, Seattle was getting absolutely murdered on... Um, dagger which was so frustrating because they were they should have they had fixed this and then they weren't so that essentially was the the uh, the teams would run it from trips mainly the one receiver would just run off the the cornerback although if you could get into bunch to exchange the releases and make it a bit harder or the or the one receiver would run a, a deep dig and then the two receiver w- would run vertical and the three receiver would run the check down but th- the dig would always get open because the cornerbacks outside leverage in a deep third if seattle playing cover 3 the um, the 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 vertical route would run off the free safety who's leaning to that side and his his deep third and then the strong hook player would would bite on the check down cheese r- rather than uh, getting depth to the the uh, the the, the in behind it and wagner was they were running roots deeper is what wagner said but um for like example against the vikings who really spammed the hell out of it and why wouldn't you um but really to me the fact he was biting on it when the outside underneath defender the curl flat or what the was buzz defender the nickel he had that route but really the reason why he was doing that i think was more because he just if he didn't do that he wouldn't be able to get back downhill for it if they if if it pivoted back like he just didn't have the speed so they've sort of helped him out with this because you are getting four over three um in this stuff for clio coverage and you're packing like you're 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 getting a real good layers um to the front side you're almost overcompensating to trips and uh, the Saints they got Alvin Kamara and, and on a like a, a choice route where he he broke it on like the angle like the Texas kind of pattern one on one versus Ryan Neal the the dime safety because it's basically man on the backside with Jamal Adams like sort of just sitting in the like the dig window if it's three by one or empty um, but you are removing like the dagger stuff and you are adapting your coverage to fit what. Um, you know what suits your players now also with with the cornerback group um just to continue on the secondary uh they what, part of the reason for the defense's success is they finally actually put dj reed back he belongs on the right side where he looked most comfortable they realized Akella witherspoon was a finesse corner and pete carroll didn't like that because he's like bro, you're, you're six foot three. You have arms longer than 32 inches. Please just put your hands on someone. Stop mirror stepping all the time. Um, uh, like Pete Cow likes, um, he coaches two press techniques. He coaches um, outside read step, um, kick step. Um, and he coaches mirror step, uh, kick step. So the outside read step, you you still, but, it, but it's what well, I should say, in either technique, he still expects you to get your hands on. Now, the mirror step technique, you are a bit less likely to because you're naturally giving a bit of ground at the line of scrimmage, not in a foot fast style, but you're just mirroring the steps, and it's better to step backwards slightly so that you don't lock your hips. And then you're taking a lot of the air out of the release by um, your, your body positioning. But he still wants you to play two to one to none with the arms. And Akello just like his jam. This should be a stat: jam connection rate. Jam but his his rate should jam. Be a stat.
0: I've uh, I've long lobbied for jam connection rate. His uh,
1: his jam connection rate was probably zero. Like I don't I never saw him. He just didn't care. I mean I yes. Yeah, what what makes
0: what makes it funny is like I always think about this because me, both of you and I we both basically write about X's and O's. I think I my, sometimes mine's more storytelling. I think than with schemes shit thrown sprinkled on top. I always think like we almost do it like you know the, the chalks the chalkboard type thing I know you're excellent at analyzing kind of the flow of the career of the players on Seattle I think it's stuff like I'm like that must be really uncomfortable to go into work every day because they're it's sat in meetings and they must be saying like dude like that's not what we run will you just not do that <laughs> I mean and, and I understand that the depressing out of the mirror technique you almost you're asking for something pretty special you know, and I get it. And I think with a spoon, it can be fine. It's just like, it must be really uncomfortable to go into work every day and be told you're doing it wrong. And then just be like, not bothered and <laughs> be like, yeah, whatever. I'm just going to run it my way on Sunday anyway. Um, so and, and, and the example of, of that is, you know, DJ Reed,
1: he's more of a mirror, uh, mirror technique guy, but he still gets hands on people and, as they if they try and release through his core, he, he, he puts his hands out to stop them from separating and, and knocking him over, basically. Uh, so they finally put him back to the right side where he's more comfortable. And then on the left side, they have um, Trey Brown out of Oklahoma and they have um, Sidney Jones. And and like you don't really want those guys on an island all the time. You want to be able to change your coverage up. Um, and it sort of suits their style to be able to play because essentially if you've got help over the top then you can play even more aggressive so Seattle can play more press because what was happening and when the defense is at its worst is when the corners aren't comfortable playing enough press alignment now that could be a press bail like if you've got a slot they'll press bail they won't press um or, you know, it could just be if you're a single got a single receiver. But the, the worst times for the defense are when both corners are off. So the way to get them playing press more comfortably is to give them more help over the top, mix up your coverages, do all that rotation stuff you spoke about as well. Um and, and this is this is I think what um you know it's it's partly learning from the league and 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 you know how popular like match quarters is becoming. Um, but I think it's also like
0: you know, it's, it's just uh, it's just adapting to the personnel, like uh, That, that talking I'm about- going to give him credit for and you mentioned there at the top that, I mean, where, you go through that USC book, I mean it is, I know in that era, like you go through the Saban ones and it's like literally a thousand pages, God knows how those poor young fellas who had to go to biology at two o'clock <laughs> had <laughs> to deal with the fact, there's like 95 checks for seven cut, it's like, okay I'm good, <laughs> like, I'm going to go hang out and mess up <laughs> yeah. um, like P had an insane amount of stuff when when they were doing the, you know, we come to the NFL, we're gonna rotate, and then it's like, uh, we'll just be static. We're, we're gonna play three and one, and we'll mm. play three and one, we'll do the list stuff because why not? Then it's like, ah, uh, we don't even really need to do that because we're better than everyone. Because I've got five mm. Hall of Famers roaming around my defense. So i we'll just play three or one, whatever. I think they got a really bad rap. I think this is who he who he's been. And now this is well, trying to turn the roster over. The reason he would hire Ken Norton would be to run this stuff. He's not gonna sit in a job interview and you know, he could go and find any number of guys on his staff to run the stuff they ran during the Legion of Boom days.
1: Well the 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 thing with the the Legion of Boom is like Cam Chancellor was Cam Chancellor. Like the the play drawings which may or may not exist, like they have it as like they're too high structure with the rotation down. But Cam Chancellor is Cam Chancellor so Everyone knows he's likely to be the guy who's down, and everyone knows that Earl Thomas is the guy who's going to be who's up. There's a
0: prototype. Now that that is where they started saying, "Fuck the rotation. What is the point?" Because they knew this is self-scared. It's like we may as well just get him down there right away. Because who are we kidding? It's like. So one thing I do want to say, ask you about quickly, just because I don't want to take too long, and we got a ton more stuff to get to. Um. Self scouting. So when they did this rotation of early in the season, I remember I was on the Mina Cam show talking about this. Obviously, she's crazy Seattle fan and all that. Mm-hmm. And I remember she asked me about them doing all this rotations. Like it's funny because I feel like it's the right principle, and they're not playing very well. They looked really confused at a ton of stuff. I think mm-hmm. they were playing with a hang technique. There was that stuff going around about they can't play bunch formations. And I'm watching it, and I'm like, I don't think Jamal Adams quite understands the responsibility. I thought he was playing a hang technique, or well, you've just described. I think he was actually playing something a bit different. Now that you've, you've told me exactly what they were doing out of that. But my point was, I'm watching it, I'm like, that is a really nice draw-up setup. That's probably how you should play football in 2021 against the style of offenses they're seeing. But I don't think it's actually working. I don't think the players are in the right spots. I think they're almost confusing themselves. Mm. There shouldn't be this many open windows when you're trying to basically disguise coverage on every single snap. So how good are they? Like, the one thing I've always admired about the Pats and Belichick is Belichick will say, and this is why it was always silly to judge them through the first four or five weeks, he's like, let's run everything to start with. Let's find out ourselves what we're good at. And he would just slowly hack it away as the season went along. He was not adding more and more stuff into the secondary as the season went along. He would add more and more stuff up front, new blitz paths because he got time to it with players. But in the secondary, it was hacking shit off. It's like, okay, we can't do that. Cool. Throw it out next week. Throw that out. And by the playoffs, it'd be like, we run one and we won lurk and that's it because our guys can't run anything this season. That, that's what he would do. How good are they at deciding... This isn't working. Let's lob this stuff out. This isn't working. Let's throw this out because I know that they've done the thing before where Pete goes to the media and says, we're going back to the Seahawk way. We're throwing everything out. I know he's done that before. How good have they been this year with this stuff specifically where they've really committed to it of saying that little piece, get rid of that. This against trips doesn't work. We're not playing this well against that bunch stuff. Get rid of that technique. Let's go with something else.
1: Well, I think I think it's similar to the Belichick stuff. I mean, you, you mentioned this year and I'll get to that, but last year's the evidence because they were throwing they were just trying way too much at the start, or what I viewed as way too much, and then they just scaled it back into one of the most simple, like easy to like figure out things ever, and it worked. So this year I think you're probably gonna see similar. And they I think the players are starting to understand how it all fits together, that the disguise elements, like they've always tried to disguise things but it was always quite loose like oh this could be cover three sky or it could be cover one uh where we're like down to the y um but that's not like it's pretty obvious if it's man or zone especially in the nfl when if they're going to pass like they'll find out what coverage is if it's man or zone but this is um i think i think for me it comes back to understanding who like how to use Jamal Adams. Um, not that they didn't, but he sort of came to the team in a in a like a truncated off season. Um, he had to learn the playbook. Um, he's a, a unique individual in in the sense that like I was watching a Dave Veranda um, clinic. Uh, I I wrote an article on this actually, and uh, he was like t- coaching Jamal Adams at LSU you realize the ball he's been playing ain't the ball you have you've been playing and like basically he he was like this and really you should just watch the clip because I, i put it in the article and i'm gonna bastardize it and ruin it here but he was saying how uh jamal was like uh like almost a celebrity like a reality tv show kind of guy and he'd like sort of nod at the back of the room sort of saying he understood stuff and then he'd go out on the field and you'd be like hmm you didn't understand that, did you? But you feel you have to sort of be this like alpha leader where you always understand. You can't question, you always understand. Mm -hmm. So I found that really interesting from uh, Adam's perspective last year. And I think we've, we've seen Seattle sort of try and understand him as a person like that, but also um, his skill set because he is a a versatile coverage safety and they are letting him do more more of those things. Um, And, 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 you know, it would be easy for them to be like, well, this is what worked with, um, you know, Cam Jamal can play in the box. Um, he is a hitter, he's obviously not Cam Chancellor, like who's the absolute unicorn, but um, you know, he could match a match a seam in in cover three and also smack down like an offensive lineman, like, like a like a, the end, basically. Um, but now they're sort of understanding what Adams is and uh, and running a bunch more stuff. And, and, and to, to that point, uh, I realise I've not really answered your question, but I'm sorry about that. <laughs> we, can go, we can go back to it. But getting out of the bare front is because also to get Adams down at the line of scrimmage in that is quite difficult because um, he sort of has to be that off-ball kind of adjuster type player I talked about. And you can send him and like slant the end inside, but then – teams sort of know that that's coming and teams are very good at playing that. And it's always going to be from his side and it just gets a bit more obvious. But now that in the like more four down fronts, um, they can get into like reduced over and put Adams down in like what they call stone and send him. But also in these four down looks, he can be uh, like, is he, is he going to be that kind of like uh pack safety, like that sort of quarter where he doesn't, he's sort of just robbing, um, that kind of thing, like nailing down um, and uh, you know, he he can walk down and then suddenly it's, it's like, is he, is he going to come um, on a blitz? It's uh yeah. But, but, but to circle back uh, to what you said, uh, I do think they'll, they'll strip it back this season as well. I think that's already started. Um, I think that is how Pete does it now. I, I, I do. And, and I think he, you know, if it's not working, if it gets too far, he'll be like, well, we need to do this. Like he's already done that. Um, but he also was very open about this year, especially saying the players aren't executing, like we're just not doing things right. And I think, you know, we're about to find out uh, COVID permitting, uh, Aaron Rodgers situation permitting, um, you know, not this Sunday, but next Sunday, um, they go to the Packers and they always struggle against Screen Bay. Um, they've been playing quite a lot of manning, clear passing downs and really aggressive coverage. Which is great um against quarterbacks uh and and receiving talent like uh, jacksonville or New orleans, but um you can't really do that uh like against devonte adams um <laughs> if he's playing um <laughs> and and all and all of that stuff um and also winston and and Lawrence were like the perfect kind of remedy for this defense to get right because they're quarterbacks who they from the film I saw against Seattle, they are very kind in reading deep uh, and their deep route and then come into their check down. Um, yeah, Seattle was over the deep route, but you wait a moment longer and then the deep route becomes real hard to cover or a bit more problematic. And, and you know, the stuff kind of Rogers is going to wait for, the stuff Matthew yeah. Stafford's going to wait for in the rematch. Um, and will punish you on. Yeah, That's yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and the NFL's really hard. Like it's so hard to cover. <laughs> like there's point. so much going on. It's so so really that hard. is a thing.
0: <laughs> that is a thing. But um I want to get into the Jamal Adams of it all. Let's do this because this is mm. the big discussion. You have everyone, you have Greg Gosell. I go want say he's a linebacker who's a bad one, right? So I'm watching Jamal Adams for us to tape this. And I'm like, okay, I'm really going to focus in. I don't know anything of your thoughts about him. I did not go and pre-read to find out, well, what does my think? and we'll angle the conversation that way. I know there's this big debate about was the trade worth it, all that stuff. I'm watching him and I'm thinking he is not as good as he should be. That's my initial takeaway. I watch against the Jags and the way they've structured this thing asks him when they get into that bear and he sneaks in as kind of the second guy, but it's five one and they sneak him in as the last guy. And he's essentially playing as Cosell said in that piece. He's a weak side backer. Essentially the Jags run three times lead stretch. Well, not lead stretch, sorry, weak stretch. They run away mm. from the Y and the guy gets washed out the C gap twice. And it's actually, it's a big play. The, the ball is bounced back. Mm. Sorry. Yeah, I
1: know what you're it's talking weak, about. Yeah, yeah. It's
0: weak strikes. It's come back. The, 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 the second first down of the game, I think, is one. Basically, he tries to peek inside. He gets cut out from the, uh whatever the, the tight end is, 80-something. Mm. And I'm watching it and I'm thinking, like, I think he's better in coverage than he's given credit for. I think putting him in, as you mentioned, in the, in the two deep sets has been a real help. They do this weird thing with him when he's the deep guy. When they when he stays deep and digs isn't deep, they have that great sequence where the Quandre digs interception. Mm. Like two plays before that interception, they roll it the other way. Yeah. So um, so um, God, what's his name? Adams is the deep guy, and Diggs goes down, and they put Adams like twenty eight yards. Off the line of scrimmage, it is bizarre. And then when they do it the other way, when Diggs is the deep guy, it's like a regular, like, you go at 12 to 15 yards, no worries, mate. And then he gets a, a, an interception from center field. So even in their coaching, I'm like, I think they think he's good. I think they coach around him stylistically quite a bit. I'm not sure if this is necessarily all they would run if they were fully invested in him being the kind of difference maker they thought he would be. Only three pressures on the year. He's, he, his blitz rate... Is so erratic, like whether he's coming where he's not. It's like a game plan specific thing, which is fine and good, and it's a nice weapon to have in your arsenal. But I, I just feel like they're compromised when I watch them. Like they're not quite sure how to use him. They know they have to, because what was it, two first round picks? It's a crazy. <laughs> sum they gave up for the guy. It's bonkers for a matchup safety. It's it's a bit weird. Um. So that's my long ramble. So you give what? me as a as a as a fan analyst and <laughs> who's watched every single snap. I'm guessing. Where are you at currently?
1: Well, we can, uh, the value's a whole separate thing. And I just, it comes across like I'm a massive Adams fan and like the, you know, reply guys on Twitter and, the, you know, accounts that have been muted, uh, uh, you know, they, they have me down as, like, Pete Carroll's son, and uh, which is, would be nice. I mean, I'm not opposed to that. And uh, what the staff at-
0: then? Doesn't he have, like, five sons on exactly- the staff
1: or something? Well, exactly. That's what we're getting to. A bit of nepotism, nothing wrong with that. And, uh, yeah, and, and they have me down as a Jamal Adams lover, and, like, oh, I must owe Jamal Adams like lots of money. Or, ha, ha, ha. Anyway... But uh, I tweeted when when they when they traded for him, uh, you know, I was excited because wow, they just went full full uh, crazy, Um, and it kind of spoke to that how they'd misdrafted and like not got the safety play out of their safeties that they wanted, Um, and he was a massive difference maker that year because of his sacks, like, and they needed that because at the time they didn't have a, a pass rush, like they hadn't got Carlos Dunlap so they they and so they sort of killed two birds kind of with one stone um but i i tweeted out that jamal adams um he suits the seahawks better than the seahawks suit jamal adams um that now is less true i think because of how they're using him uh, on that on that um on that washed run like that is kind of on him right but that's also the beater of bear because the 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 running outside zone but it's more like 15 14 or 95 94 where you're aiming for like the inside of of the 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 running backs aiming for like the inside of the offensive tackle and then looking to cut back and you've got a tight end there or you've got a pair of tight ends there so you're getting real nice wash the three technique on the backside of that is um like, oh, why has this guard disappeared? I'm going to get into my B gap. And then the tackles there, like, nope, yeah, you're, you're getting into your B gap, all right? So it's creating a real big, and, and on those plays, that's what happened. The, the three tech got real hungry for that and he didn't pad back. Like, if really what they teach, if you're going to take that, then take that, but you've got to make the play. If not, if you're the three tech and your guard disappears that quick, you need to pad back on the offensive tackle to make sure that, that you don't get washed. And the three tech did get washed, and I believe that was dJ which again is is what I'm saying. Like they don't have that extra dude uh, yeah. for rotations. Anyway. Then Jordan Brooks was down at the line of scrimmage. So it's Falcon, so it's Nickel um, Nickel Bear, which means the weak side linebacker goes down to the line of scrimmage uh, for the 5-1 look. He played the, the pass because he read high hat because the tight end gave him a high hat. And he ended up going straight for the... He was like too far upfield, so he just went for the bootleg. He's right to play the bootleg, but he needs to still be in the D-gap if there's a tight end there. You know, He's the D-gap player. Yep. So Adams plays it aggressive, but that's because he's the three techs played aggressive so he he, you know the spacing's off so it's not like for me that's not just um that really it was more on brooks uh and more on the three tech now and run fit to like require like a discipline and a patience and and um seattle occasionally that that doesn't get there
0: uh i think and i'm not saying any of that's wrong that's perfectly right you just explained it articulated brilliantly and we can go beyond that specific player. I don't think he is the, the backside defender I used to think he was. The thing that jumped out to me, I I used to love Jamal Adams and I've gone cold on him this year because a lot of the stuff I'm watching with him when I'm like really impressed, I'm not talking coverage, talking down the line of scrimmage the stuff that where he's vaunted as the difference maker. Not even the blitzing and all that more in even in the run game some of the run blitz stuff a lot of the production is him rolling free to the ball and i think often by design they've either overloaded it and guessed well or the path is just pretty clear it's not necessarily like holy fuck did you see the guy make a play on the ball like that did you see him read out it's not even like luke Keekly, best backside defender we've had for probably the last 10 years like <laughs> little tiny plays that are quite special just for the like saying discipline, understanding where he should be in the fit. And then he just is there free and open. This is Adams flying down. I'm not sure how much of that is like, is that him or is that just the call was, they ran a rumble it and it was excellent. And of course the guy's going to run free. If the guy's running free to ball, he should probably make the tackle. Do you know what I mean? That There's way less now than I used to believe, particularly with the Jets, where he was making plays either out of structure or within the structure that, you wouldn't anticipate he would make if that makes sense. I feel like these yeah. things that are often structured that the, he's then he's then just completing the play and we're like wow, Jamal Adams in the backfield again. i was like yeah, he's splitting into the backfield. They didn't block him. Like he should probably be there.
1: Yeah, I mean I, I think he's very good at um seeing his shot to make a play in an opening and I think uh Well, I mean, that cutback from uh, against the tight end was him seeing that. The big Derrick Henry run, Mm -hmm. the spacing was completely off there as as well. But that was him sort of seeing a shot to make a play and just triggering so hard that he didn't really, he wasn't really showing up in his gap. I mean, there's a lot more wrong than just that. But. yeah, it's it, the whole the whole thing is kind of exhausting because it's like it's not his fault necessarily that, you know, the seat was well, obviously not. I don't know why I didn't necessarily. It's not his fault that the silks gave up what they did for him. It's not his fault. The silks paid him to be someone, you know, to be like, it's obviously the value is very questionable. Then there's also the fact that the Seahawks have no one, they had no one to pay. Like yeah. their
0: the drafting's and been I'm so not, poor. I'm not even asked about the value. Let's ditch the value. Okay. Is Let's, is. Everyone, everyone gets overtrained. Let's so, just go purely as the player. Okay.
1: So I, I want to talk about his um his coverage as well. Yeah. He for- his like his I need to go back and watch his jets, like cover one stuff, because there was he always had good figures like matching up with Tai 10s, right? Um he's like so like lacking in confidence. Like he gave up a he doesn't trust it's almost like he doesn't trust what he's seeing like at the at the break point. Like he just needs to go. And so he like against the Rams, he gave up a touchdown on a on a like uh I think it was a corner route down in the end zone. He was at the goal line and his cut was just so slow. And it was after that weird um that weird underthrow to uh Deshaun Jackson mm-hmm. um where Adams was in um well, Seattle was in a man match, middle field open. It was three by one, and Adams is on the backside. So the likelihood is he's playing the front side number three receiver uh, and then playing to the isolated X receiver. However, the issue was um, Adams got over the top of it. Sidney Jones played abysmal uh, catch and then trail technique underneath. So he didn't show up. And a- at the moment that Adams decided to turn and run because it's the Jackson. He's quite fast and there's no reroute on him. And Sydney's not even there. Uh, the ball got thrown and Adams didn't track the ball that well. And then Jackson caught it underneath. Um, I mean, it's mainly on Sydney Jones, even though it's funny because everyone's like, look at Adams <laughs> can't, can't cover. Um, but um, that that kind of play, I think, led to his lack of confidence in in on the next play uh, where he beat got beaten man to man, and his his man coverage he just doesn't like seem to to trust um, what he's seeing. But he's also so he's like so desperate to make something happen in coverage that I think it um like it, he just sort of needs to wait for it to happen like it's, it's going to happen when it happens like he in pressure coverage he's so aggressive like uh when he expects the ball to be out yeah so like it so he he knows what route he's got it's a like really good processing then he's like bang i'm jumping this like bang i'm 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 um, coming uh i'm attacking the, the space and denying the space of the man but the, the pressure is not like quite there yet so then that, that could cause issues down the line i i actually i think he's played um this season he's just played like a a, a really good safety but um and and what they're doing, I, th- I think you know, against the Jags, there was two plays that he, you know, he was he got underneath as the ball was coming out and the, to that route, but it got tipped, and I was like, the, this that was almost an interception. But then there's also stuff where he reads it well, and he just can't catch the ball. Like he does, he doesn't have the confidence in the moment to make the decision that, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. I mean, look at me, I'm not an NFL player, but he doesn't have the confidence to, you know, track the ball in, watch it in and play the ball. He sort of just bullets at it and throws himself at it. Um, I don't know. I guess what I'm saying is I I don't, I think the Seals, the Seals obviously think he's a good player in a front office perspective, but I do think the coaches do too. And I I do think his best football in Seattle is still to come. Um, Maybe not in a sack production thing. And I think what also hurts him is he's a safety. So like, You don't see him. Um, And if you're not seeing Jamal Adams, then you're like, well, why is he he not getting loads of sacks? Why is he not running through? Um, If you look at their front...
0: They've almost moved to a plays-not-players defense on the back end. That's kind of... And you obviously need good players. That's, to me, why you wouldn't be showing up in a way where, like, on the broadcast, people be losing their mind is because if you're trying to disguise something, the hope is that the ball doesn't need to go their way then. Because well, s-
1: somewhat, but then the it's still accommodating for the players because they're still letting Adams be like more of a rubber and like inverted almost with the corner, yes. and Diggs is still more the, the deep guy, so they, ha- they have accommodated for players in that sense. Um, but yeah, they're, they're definitely they are definitely looking for plays, uh, with the disguise elements. I, I, don't, I don't really know what to say, like, I, I think they're a lot better with him, <laughs> like, I don't. <laughs> Uh, I, I, you know, I don't grade. Uh, I don't grade individual performances each week. I don't have time to do that. Uh, but he, he hasn't. Li- Would you like more imp- impact? Yes, but then also, I don't know if. <laughs> I think just the position is reliant upon and, and how Seattle's structuring everything is reliant upon one the ball being thrown his way, and or you know the run being in his gap. Um yeah i'm just rambling it's, no, it's I, something i thought you. about a lot
0: i i well, my thing is i love him, and now i've gone like i said i've cooled on him i think he's a good player and then that that what then happens is you have to fall into the trap of the value what they gave up which is almost relevant in, in itself now it's happened you've got to move on hmm. then his percentage of the cap i mean the question would be is how many good multifaceted safeties are there you're comfortable playing match quarters I'm blitzing and playing as your outside linebacker. And if that number is below 14, then it's fine. You know,
1: yeah, I should, no, I should...
0: If that starts getting the number into the 20s, 25, 26, say, well, we could probably do better value and put the cab somewhere else. And I should say he's really good at, um
1: as like a hot to three player in their fire zones or as a weak hook player, taking the three receiver up and back down the field. But then what safety isn't, like you, if you're safety, you should be able to do that. If you're putting that assignment, but he is really good at it. So and uh in, in like Soft Sky, which is like Seattle's like kind of weak version of Ripley's where they only match they use the down safety to match one seam versus two by two. The high safety matches the other in his deep third and cover three, he leans to the other seam. Uh Adams is good at the down safety match in the seam up. Uh his his most of his issues for me come at the catch point, and in 2020 that was because he literally couldn't jump and he'd like messed up his shoulder and he had no his fingers were ruined. And then in this year, it's just a, like a confidence thing in, in playing football. I, like, I, like I said, I, I, his best football, I think, will still arrive. I just don't think many people will see it because it, with how they're playing, you, you're not going to see it's it. Um, it's different. Yeah.
0: I got to talk to you about this quickly. Because this has been driving me crazy, and I don't know how to get these thoughts out here. So, I'm going to do it on the podcast. Because if someone is listening to this now and an hour or whatever is hour and five, ten minutes into deep Seattle, how they defend trip stuff, I feel like we're in a safe space. <laughs> I feel like this is a safe space. I'm getting really bothered. I don't know how much this happens in Seahawks Twitter, so to speak. I just don't use Twitter anymore <laughs> except to publish articles and maybe to DM that's, some friends. That's very smart. Oh, that's very you. smart yeah. but you but you have
1: a lot but it's a it's an evil balance isn't it because you 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 know justifiably have a lot of followers <laughs> which you know that that does that's help why you uh, gotta
0: get out it's probably easier to just shoot from the hip if you've got like 200 followers it's, exactly yeah let it rip <laughs> i get really bothered by this thing of coverage metrics I've never bought into them and I've become increasingly more frustrated by them mm. as the Fangio world has taken over and it's too deep because what I'm seeing an awful lot of is player X has given up X amount in coverage, right? Mm. Your Adam's point tipped me off here. that you I don't know if what they are, those numbers. They might be good, they might be bad. Mm. If you just lay a if you're playing spot dropping zone or you're in a too high and you both bail out set and you're reading two man if you lay a play design over the top of it and let's just say you've got i don't know old school oh nine ben roethlisberger and he does not care who is in the middle of the field and he's just ripping that thing through the center anyway because why not because i'm ben roethlisberger if you hit that who is that on that's just good play design, or a ballsy throw over another concept. It's just the offensive concept springing a leak in the defensive concept. So I just that baffles me. It's like, well, who gets great if that the first guy to touch the player once he's done that is that on the on the high hole defender? Not really. It's not his fault. The ball's gone over his head. It's a good throw. So that that, that stuff. Those metrics to me are, are so like, I don't even know why we bother using them. It should almost be, we should only ever use that metric if it's one come from the NFL's tracking data because they've got chips in mm. their heads, basically. And then we should just isolate it as, oh yeah, this team that's lit up in, a, in Tampa 2. Maybe we should investigate what's going on. Let's, let's look into more detail why they give up a play. They shouldn't really be giving up in Tampa 2. Am I
1: right? Well, no, I completely agree. And I think, you know, it's, it's obviously difficult because I've been able to devote like pretty much you know the last uh, five or so years to learn in Seattle as everything about pete carroll and his defense specifically so i understand you know what you know i like to think i understand whose fault primarily things are but you know coverage has layers and if quarterback makes a throw into the right layer you know then good for him similarly <laughs> yeah, if yeah. you're in sure. if you're in man coverage right yeah. and the jags uh defense uh Last Sunday, there's a good example of this. You know, if you're in man coverage, you're in tight man to cu- man coverage. You've got your back turned to the receiver, uh, to the quarterback. Sorry, and you're in trail, and it's a perfect bucket throw. Over, and the guy, you know, he looks yeah, yeah. it in over the shoulder, and and you're in man, and you you reach out and you, you punch through, and
0: and you just. For whatever reason you just can't get it. How is that your like? That's not really your it's fault. Not a demerit, and there it is. It the the Gino the Gino one. They ruled a the touchdown initially. It's just a really good throw, man. Lock it. Yeah, coach, that. You know, yeah. But yeah, that. Yeah,
1: that's exactly the sort of play. I'm it's like about. well,
0: you know. And I get the the coaching staff with their grading system. They wouldn't knock it down. I get that. I don't know if PFF mm. if they grade that. I don't know how they grade that. I've not spoke to those people about that. But I know that then we see on broadcasts and on the social medias and in the national reputation of a player cited, player X gave up X in coverage. And it's like, but sometimes guys just make good plays. Well, an an interesting thing, like on the the flip
1: side of this is the the case of Trey Brown, who's like passer rating targeted is like in the 50s. And it's like it's like um it's like seventh best or something or, or sixth yeah. best or i i saw a tweet uh, but anyway as you do and um that's really misleading like there's no context because if you actually look at what he's been played in like yeah he's played some good um cover three and and stuff but occasionally but when he's targeted it's because he's playing In a a, like basically a cover to like outside underneath zone, he's playing deep to short, which is great. Well done for doing your assignment. And he's, and I'm not, I don't hate trade Brown. Like he, it's really fun to see a corner with confidence and twitch and burst and hitting for like a small guy. But when he comes downhill, he then makes a tackle, and that's what like a a one yard gain, which they probably, I don't know how this exactly works, but they probably don't designate that as like his fault because he's played deep to short. And he's been targeted, and he's made the tap. But that's just an assignment play like that. The defense is just like, well done. And and, and as a coach, you know, and I do coach football, you not know, not at the NFL level. Amateurs, <laughs> yeah, right. But um, but um, as a coach, you're just like, well, that's my that's my scheme. Like, well done, you executed the scheme. Like, that's what we wanted to happen. So, and then and then there's a play against the Jags where oh, they finally actually decide to try and throw it over the top of him. And Trey Brown has 30 and three eighth of an inch arms. And that shows up at the catch point. It did throughout college on my YouTube channel at, at the end of my po- really positive, wow, Trey Brown was fun against the Steelers. I then included all these college clips of him struggling with a lack of arm length at the catch point, because that is a reality of the position. And so his, what will happen, and I, I just know it, what will happen is the Packers will um, throw it over top of their big body, and Aaron Rodgers will be like, "You're tiny," and he'll just throw it <laughs> over top of you, and 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 everyone be like, "Oh, he sucks! Oh, he sucks!" And it's like, "Well, no, he doesn't." Well, not even that. The coverage numbers will come out, and it'll be like, "He he's done this and that." Um, his his pass rating allowed was 130, and everyone be like, "Oh, he's so bad," and it's like, "Yeah, well." it, ignores the context of the situation i think to improve these things and i'm sure well maybe but i guess teams are probably moving towards this but player tracking data and like if you can find out how tight coverage was and in 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 a situation and give it a context so say you know in that man scenario if you've got your back turned to the quarterback but you're in really tight coverage Mm -hmm. then that's good but then you know if, if the catch is given up then try and look into how the catch point is played or say if it's cover two, if you've removed the deep route, it's really difficult. It is it's really difficult.
0: difficult but... It's one of those ones where, like you said, it's tracking data will be the thing. You can only really do it in man coverage. And it's funny because as the league got all its tracking data, it was like, okay, bleep that we spot drop down. <laughs> all our guys were really bad because the defense yeah. were terrible in man coverage. Um, we've got to do some offense stuff. I'm not going to make people sit through three and a half hours of Seattle um, talk as they have Geno Smith marshaling. Geno Smith, by the way, gotta say he's really decisive in the quick game. (laughs) He did not use uh, that way. He's it's funny terrible when he has to do when he has to i'm not gonna say think because that's rude i'm sure he's deciding priest not what he wants to do with the ball when he has to react i'll say that when it's not mm. what he wants and he has to react he basically shits himself okay that's just a fact when he is just sitting and ripping and he's happy with where he's going the ball it, Matt, he played really well with the first half against the jacks i enjoyed it i was like wow i couldn't believe how good he was um so i, I had a bunch of uh, offensive questions for you what i think we'll do is when when russ returns if, if russ returns he's gonna return right
1: He got the uh, pin out of his finger and he's throwing. It's crazy. (laughs) So it's like how... I mean, we have... uh, Yeah, I, I... I was googling like stem cell um, <laughs> fingers treatments. Not suggesting that's what's happened. No, no, no. I'm sure. Well, Russell Wilson did thank his um, prayer.
0: So uh, and his healing water probably isn't. Does he? Say
1: yeah. Well, yeah. Recovery water probably yeah. doesn't help, does it? Oh, it does help. Sorry. Yeah. So
0: um, yeah, don't say it doesn't. Get sued. No, oh, sorry. Help. Yeah. Jesus. Um, so we will circle back for some of the the deeper. Tissue stuff I wanted to talk about with them. We can we can circle back maybe if there's a playoff run in there. What, what I think we'll do quickly just for listeners going over how, until Russ does return is, is how they've adjusted with Gino offensively. And if you want to bring in some of the other Shane Walgen stuff, because what they've run essentially was some Shane stuff, still Russ's stuff. With Shane ripping out some of the stuff that Russ did well. I don't know how that compromise happened. I don't know who that's on. We'll never know. They'll never tell us because those guys aren't, aren't the um the best with the truth, except when Pete let stuff slip almost by mistake mm. in press conferences. Um, so I don't know. Is like did, did the stuff that was successful, he Wilson didn't like, so he dumped and no one told him, but that stuff's good. What stuff are you talking about, like specifically? Uh screen game stuff that's vanished, mm. right? You've written about that a bunch. Well, they just suck. They just, they can't block a screen. (laughs) It's so funny because this,
1: this off season, everyone's like, um, sorry to interrupt, but this off season, everyone's like, um, Oh, creative, offensive coordinator, not Brian Schottenheimer, evil shotty. Not, uh, not him who who runs the ball like his dad. That's all he does. Not true. Um, let's get creative. Most priest, that motion bootlegs. Wow. We've never done this before. Uh, Oh, that everyone's talking about tempo. That's so exciting, and the screen game will finally be good. And they'll target tight ends. And uh, the screen game's absolutely abysmal. Like they, they they just don't do it anymore. Like they did it once, I think, and it was terrible. And um, they can't block a screen. And and they're the fairness, coming from
0: how many of those are that weird? Two... He's running two man stack stuff. That is from like vintage Oregon. Like, no one runs the Chip Kelly stuff anymore. That is gone. It was like a fad, which we didn't realize what? at the time. We I thought think it was that's the, uh... of the game, and then suddenly people like we learned how to defend it. That stuff's over. They still. I think, think that's, that's Russell.
1: I think that's Russell because um, that's something he did uh, with uh, Bevel. Uh, they 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 had like two games where teams were like, oh my god, what is this? How do we defend this? Um, <laughs> and uh, I think you know with the russ input i'd imagine he's just like this worked for us let's do this again
0: it's really really is 2007 west virginia logic so on the adjusting with gino russell's famous thing is he doesn't throw over the middle of the field for whatever reason he likes to make life harder for himself and he's so good that it like almost doesn't matter it's it's Mm -hmm. just he's just just yeah facts yeah um then we so the only thing i've found with gino Outside, I didn't go through and draw up every concept because I'm not a sociopath. This is Gino Smith's offensive talk talking my head. I just went through some of the personnel groupings and I saw they went massively to 11. Uh, they ditched 12 personnel. With Russ, they run 12 personnel, 34% of the time. With Gino, it's 18%. That could be game plan specific. We're only talking about a few snaps here. They put in more big bodies so they would go 13 they ran like a 22 personnel snap which they just don't do any of that with with russell they'd rather have more receivers out in the pattern it would seem although 72 percent 11 personnel for gino so maybe that's wrong what what should we take away from what this is now the waldron offense right it has to be there's no way gino smith gets input on the offense so has there been anything that's different that they've run with gino they weren't running with russ that we could see leap back over into when he's back
1: no, not really. I okay. mean, it's still, it's still the same. The, the, the real difference is how do you get Geno Smith going, right? Like, how do you make him get into a, a comfort level? So against the Steelers, what they tried to do is um, in, a, in a hostile atmosphere is come out in spreads, uh, concept football, um, like what he did at West Virginia, but then it's the problem of how are we going to run the ball effectively from those looks, the, the, uh, the kind of Patrick, Mahomes, Geno <laughs> Smith, they have a shared issue. Um, and this is actually a driving issue for Seattle. Um, this was the problem with shotty last year. Like they could not run the ball when they needed to effectively. Um, they just couldn't get it done. Um, and so with Gino, just sticking with that, um, is he's very he's very like you said, he's very good at um pulling the trigger in, in quick game and getting into a comfort level. And so they I think they have enough quick game stuff. Again, the the language is uh of the offense, I understand, jetty images, is very um similar to what they had with Bevel. And so it is like an ambitious blend with with Waldron of like old stuff with his stuff and and what works for Russell. But for Gino, like you'd expect them to like, for instance, get going stuff over the middle, like play action strike, or I'm not sure what it's called in Seattle exactly, but essentially quick play action and then bang to like a a 15-yard in-breaking dig, which, uh, you know, sucks up the linebacker, bang. And Russell hesitated hitting that in the preseason. Well, he didn't play in the preseason, but Russell has hesitated hitting that in week one, sorry, whereas in the preseason, the Alex Magoos of the world and Geno Smith hit that but we we haven't really seen them uh, go to that. And I think someone smart said this and I forgot, I forgot who it was, but someone said the like the Sean McVay disciples this year, this was before the season, they're gonna have like a real bad time because the league has started to figure out what they were trying to do, what they do. Like even, you know, Seattle's defense we spoke about for ages, they sort of figured that out so the while McVeigh's of the world can adapt with Stafford, like the Waldron's who were like in their first year as an NFL play caller, they are a bit behind and they're sort of like, why isn't this working? Why are they so good at playing this play action concept, which has always worked? This isn't fair. Um,
0: so (laughs) that's the funny thing with mcveigh is basically ditched the mcveigh offense he's like exactly yeah he's like i ran that because i had jared goff now i got matt stafford i just go in the gun we go empty and i have a great time i just stand on the sideline saying go ahead matt you just throw the ball down the field then you've got like you said zach taylor in that who was like hang on a second this stuff is supposed to work forever right i'm supposed to be a good guy on offense and it's like all this stuff is pretty crap unless joe burrow bails you out um, so you're saying it's falling into that vein where almost the drawn up scheme, not saying crap, but the drawn up scheme stuff that one would expect to be there because the whole league is adjusted to take away this offense. It's like you're almost in the wrong evolutionary cycle. of you put the offense in two years too late?
1: Yeah, but, but then again, it's still there's still like a heavy element of Seattle. And I think. Um, and that's not like let's not get all conspiracy theory here. Like Pete Carroll likes touchdowns, he's not gonna meddle and break his offense. Yeah, he likes to run the ball, but with Geno Smith against the Jags, they were passed on 50% of the first downs. So they're passed, they passed a lot, and it, yeah, it was working. Yeah, it wasn't raining and windy like it was the, the previous week. Um and when I say 50% of the first downs, I'm including things with a penalty which wouldn't have shown up in the box score. Yeah. Um so you know, the, the, it's all exhausting talking about this uh, as well, a bit like the Adams thing, because it's like, you know, there's, there's so much fatigue amongst the fan base and people are lost in their priors about, um, you know, well, Friar Pete Carroll, he hates Russell Wilson. They just want to run the ball all the time. And it's not true. Like, it's really not true. Um, And, and I think the Jags game, they were really helped out because the stuff that hadn't been there for Gino like the clear one-on-one the clear one-on-one throw to Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf that was there because they played man I I was I watched before like I I don't really have time to do this usually but I watched um, Urban Meyer's press conference and they were like hey Urban what have you done in the bye week he's like we worked on playing more zone coverage so I'm like oh well that that could be interesting like because bad zone coverage is really bad and also um, you know are they actually going to be able to play like too high and take away DK and Tyler somewhat just by assignment, like the best teams do against Seattle. Uh, The saints were absolutely vicious in, and Tom Brady learned this, but in how they play like trail into a safety versus your best guy. And, you know, we spoke about spinning off play action, like changing their structure and poor Gino, like that worked, that wasn't very fun for him, but then the Jags, they're just like, yeah, we're just going to play man to man, bang. <laughs> and then Gina's just like, oh, this is so nice. Like, I can, I can do this. So, and, and so then like, you know, they they hit lock it on that deep crossing route and they hit and they had Metcalf crossing the other way. And the free safeties in a bind and smart teams will like nail that safety down or they'll play Tampa to invert to that, um, which actually works against that concept. Um, They'll do different things to, to make that not, they'll peel the corner back off Um and have the safety take the other thing they'll do they'll do all sorts of things the Jags just played man-to-man with the free safety just as a pole player like middle field post player and just get left it there so like Gino was really helped by that and so really what the Jags game spoke to me of more than anything was Waldron's Waldron didn't have to do much for G, like anything he called worked apart from the run game which didn't really because well, it's a variety of reasons, but it it wasn't it wasn't um, as effective as they'd like, which down the line is a bit concerning because if we revisit the issues, like if, you know Russell Wilson coming back, um, teams are going to take away Metcalf and Lockett. They haven't had the um, Eskridge, um, who was like drafted to be their their kind of like fly sweep jet motion guy, um, and also. Like, I I go back to another reason that the Waldron stuff is a a difficult blend. It's not just Wilson as a quarterback. It's not just having Geno Smith, who's a backup quarterback. But you have um, Metcalf, who's not, his skill set is not typically Rams. Like, and then you have Lockett, who is, like, that would be a nice fit. But there's only Lockett, right? Um, It's not like if you think about the Rams when they had uh, Cooper Cup, uh, Robert Woods, and uh, Brandon Cooks, and they have all these sort of... Uh, they're not the same players, obviously, but they can run the same routes quite well, and they can sort of plug and play, and you can move them all into different spots and do the same thing. Well, Lockett spoke about in the off-season how Seattle was going to be doing that. But ultimately, the skill set stuff is a thing. Um, they have Gerald Everett as a tight end, and honestly... Like heading into the season, they had on offense pretty much everything you could have hoped for. Um, weapons wise, like there was enough you, you thought, um, for the offense to be good and not have that issue of what happens when they play, uh, you know, too high or, or what happens when they really pay attention to Lockett and, and Metcalf. Um, but yes, yeah, so, but. gino thing there hasn't been much of a difference other than emphasizing the spread quick game concepts and then the battle of trying to get that to work with uh, a run game which is predominantly designed to be under center and that's kind of in a weird way that's similar to russ because russ prefers shotgun to under center uh unless he's under center deep bombs and so the the yeah it's kind of like a a disagreement with like how much gun are we how much under center are we uh gino under center is not really gonna do much as a, as a passer unless there's a one-on-one shot left by the jaguars which is obvious and really nice
0: all right mate we're gonna leave it there because next time we're gonna come back we am gonna talk about unbalanced lines and some of the stuff they do in the run game that i enjoy that then they ditch mm. why they do that um okay uh we're gonna leave it there matty f brown we can find you at Seahawk Maven, that's where you do your writing. I would encourage you yep. have to go and have a binge read because as I've said this, with when people come on from specific teams before, I mean, I imagine if you're this far and you're a Seahawks fan anyway, perhaps not. The Seahawks do so much stuff, and particularly because of this evolution we discussed, it can cross over to any team. That's what's so interesting about them. One, they set the tone for the last decade of the league, so everyone copied their stuff, and it obviously spread throughout the league with DCs, and then they were like, hold on, we need to go and do what everyone else is doing, so go read Matty's stuff because it's the most informative thing you'll find, and it will have crossover stuff for whatever team uh, you follow. Uh, And we will circle back when Russ returns to talk about the Russ Cook and all the classic that that saga. We can have a history lesson on the Russ Cook saga. I can't wait for that. Matty, thank you for doing
1: this. Thanks very much for having me. Uh, Keep up the good work and the podcast and all all of your good stuff. I, I very much enjoy it. Good to talk again.